Welcome to How We Got There. I am your host, Mike Davis, founder of Go-To-Market Guides. I interview thought leaders and founders in the Salesforce ecosystem to help ISVs learn new things to try and mistakes to avoid. This episode of How We Got There is brought to you by Techwity Advisors, a global sell-side M&A advisory firm with core expertise in B2B enterprise cloud, SaaS, and IT services companies. They are focused on SaaS and ISVs, Salesforce, ServiceNow, SAP, Microsoft, Adobe, and the MSP clouds. Techwity has already completed 22 transactions in the Salesforce and Salesforce ISV ecosystems. Visit techwityadvisors.com, that's T-E-Q-U-I-T-Y, advisors.com to learn how they achieve great outcomes for their clients, both in valuation and in terms. All right. I am here with Sam Yarborough. She is the SVP of partnerships at PFL. Sam, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about how you found your way into the Salesforce ecosystem and introduce who PFL and how they help your customers. I've owned this relationship at PFL for almost two years now, and I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, The great Yeva Roberts and Marnie Reed started this partnership well before my time, about eight years ago. So we've been in the ecosystem for a good amount of time. I kind of picked it up and we've revitalized it, given it new life. So PFL has native applications in both CRM and marketing cloud. And then we've also just extended into health cloud and financial cloud. But we automate direct mail right within the Salesforce system. So pretty niche use case, but that's high level about what we do and where we fit a little bit. Awesome. And love Yeva. She has a great earlier episode of how we got there. So that's awesome. I guess from your time in the Salesforce ecosystem, what are you most proud of? You know, it's building this program, which is like the most broad answer possible. But when we took it over, our Trailblazer score was like way down. Truthfully, I didn't even know that was a thing. So we had to like build that back up. We're now a Crest partner. And when I took it over, I was like, I don't know anything about this ecosystem. Truthfully, rumors about working with Salesforce are it's hard. You can't be creative in the system. You have to just play by the rules. And I was like, oh, that does not fit my personality at all. I'm not looking forward to this. And that is so not true. I'll just go on record saying that you can come to Salesforce and have creative ideas. You can have new go-to-market motions. They want to work with you if you're willing to put in the work and play the game. And I've certainly learned that. And it started with just me and a marketing person. And we've now grown the team to, I think we have five. Our company is leaning on us pretty heavily for partnerships leading the strategy forward, not only from like a go-to-market motion, but an ideal customer profile, like how our product is serving these people. And it's all coming from this relationship with Salesforce. I love the sentiment you just shared because the ISV PAMs, as well as everybody else who you interact with at Salesforce, they're humans just like us. They have a target. They have a boss. They have goals. If you can come up with new, innovative ways to approach partnerships with them, they're going to be delighted. It's just like be normal with your requests. Ask for normal things and invite them into the strategy. 
when you think about like how you've interacted with your Pam and I guess any tips for folks that are thinking about or maybe a little intimidated like you were? You know, my biggest regret when taking this over was that I was intimidated. I felt like, okay, well, I don't know a lot. So I just got to like fake it till you make it, which works. But I wish that I would have leaned in earlier and been just like not afraid to ask what you may think is a stupid question. The minute that I kind of broke down those barriers and started coming to my Pam with, okay, sorry, dumb question. What is this? What is that? We started to learn together and lean in on, oh, this is where it makes sense for PFL to go into the ecosystem. And for us, one of the biggest learnings is we're a horizontal partner, which means our offerings very general. And it wasn't landing. It's like I couldn't make inroads with these Salesforce AEs because my message was too broad. And so what we've really done in the last year is lean into these industry specifics. And in that exercise, both my Pam and myself have learned a ton about the Salesforce org chart, how certain pockets of influence can really infect our bottom line, how to change our go-to-market motion, how to change our messaging, all of that. And it's been a joint learning effort. So I would say transparency and curiosity are key. And don't be afraid to ask stupid questions because... The old adage is true. There is no such thing. And you're probably holding yourself back by not asking. Yeah. With PFL being a horizontal app, you mentioned there that you've taken a verticalized approach. And I'm on a lot of partner calls where I hear people say that at Salesforce in different Accelerate sessions, like, hey, it's really important to take a vertical approach when co-selling with Salesforce. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yes, 100%. Again, I heard that 100 times over too. And I was like, okay, but that doesn't apply to us because we're a horizontal partner and we serve everybody. I'll just start with kind of the impact that's had on our business and why now the company at large is looking at our strategy going, what's next? Where are we going? You can meet an RVP or you can meet an AE that has an industry or that's industry specific. And you can do a really great deal with them. You can do a really great enablement session. And then that's where the network effect really starts to trickle for you as a partner manager within the ecosystem. You now have great relationships with this AE. Ask for who else is on his team or her team. The RVP, you can say, okay, we have these customers. These are the win stories. How can we expand here? And it's more specific to them rather than just like we do direct mail. That doesn't land. For us, it's we help with patient acquisition by adding direct mail within Marketing Cloud. And here's what it means for your bottom line. That's going to land a lot better. And then it's finding those pockets of influence, nurturing them, staying top of mind. It's not boil the ocean. It's choose your pocket, own it, make it yours, and then you can start to expand once you have a scalable solution. That's a great way to explain it. And I think it's really cool and good feedback that you actually invited your ISV partner account manager, your Pam, along that industry-specific journey. And again, just going back to a previous comment, they're just like us, trying to perform well. They have pride in their job. If they can help you take a more industry-specific approach and have some shared ownership of that, he or she is naturally going to give you a little bit unfair access and a little bit like you're going to be their favorite, right? Well, I don't know if I'd go favorite, but again, we're learning through this together. I would make contacts within the Salesforce ecosystem. I'd come back to my Pam and I'd be like, hey, do you know this person? The answer was like, no, what do they do? 
oh, well, they're an ISV strategist and here's how I think they could help us expand our go-to-market and our ACV. And all of a sudden she's like, wow, set up a joint intro meeting. People within Salesforce want to help you if you help them. So like share your network, it's only gonna benefit you. The more you hold close to trust, I mean, it's not gonna help. We're all in this together. So if you can share your learnings, people are gonna wanna share theirs with you too. I understand that you've built out your partner business or your PBO, which is your internal instance of Salesforce, to better understand who's influencing deals. Can you share a little bit more about what you've built and what the team's built and its impact? Yeah, of course. Let me start back really quickly and like why we built this. So as I mentioned, it was me and I have a director of partner marketing on my team named Kurt. It was us. And it was very like, okay, I had this meeting with this person. I'd write down their name in my notebook. And then I have to like go back to my notebook and be like, who was that AE? What was their account? Where did we follow up? How do I like stay on top of this? And the good news is it got to be too much for me to manage with a notebook. And then it got to be so much that the team came to me and said, what more do you need? How can we support you? So we brought on a few more people to the partner team, one of which is Alex Dayton, and he has been awesome. He's a hunter, he's hungry, and his number one goal is to go make relationships with Salesforce AEs, spread the good word of PFL, and look for customer intros, find ways we can expand. And so in order to do this scale in a scalable manner, we had to build into Salesforce. And so we built alongside a good friend who now works at Salesforce, actually, Cameron Windom is his name. But essentially, we now have all of our Salesforce AEs in our Salesforce system, and we can track which accounts they own, who we've had meetings with, how engaged they are with us. So we have a funnel of Salesforce AEs that we can create opportunities directly from. So say a Salesforce AE gives us a customer intro, I can now track which contact at the customer they entered us to on which date, and I can create an opportunity right from there that goes into my sales team's funnel so they can now work the deal. On top of that, we have a marketing function for our partner team. So we are treating Salesforce AEs as our customers, point blank. That's the difference in the strategy here. But we have a funnel of how engaged each of them are with us. So we know what kind of content's relevant, what they wanna hear when, if they're engaged, then we want to be sharing more tactical stuff with them of like, here's specific win stories. Here's how to bring us into deals. If they're not yet engaged, we want to be really high level of like, here's what PFL can do for your bottom line. You haven't brought us into deals. Here's how we can change that. Here's how it matters for your customers. So we have a marketing motion. We now have a sales motion that we can track. We're running our own business as Salesforce AEs as our customers. I love that. That's so cool. So I'm assuming like that goes down to like segmenting your lists with different marketing messaging, both generally than like double clicking down. If somebody is engaged versus is not, you're sending Salesforce AEs and SEs different messaging, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, RVPs, SEs, AEs, they're all going to have different messaging. They're going to get messaging based on, again, how engaged they are, and then even furthermore, which industry they're in. So we've created content suites for each of our focus industries so that, again, we're going back to our horizontal versus vertical. We're not giving people general messages that don't land. If you're an HLS AE, you get our HLS content suite so you know exactly how we can impact your business in particular. Brilliant. 
From an advice perspective, what do you think every ISB should do this month, this quarter? Well, so we're in an interesting time. You know, it's end of year for Salesforce. So if you have deals that are going to close, get them done. They need ACV just as bad as you do. As you talked about, our PAMs have goals just like we. We're really focused on that right now. And then we're focused on Q1 at Salesforce. They have the carve coming up in February. So there may be some account shuffle. And what are you going to do with that? So for us, we're really planning like, all right, come you know, second week of February, whatever it is, it's go time. And we got to help those reps. They're hungrier than ever to meet or exceed their quotas right now. So how can you build pipeline together? How can you share intel on current customers that you have? So bring your CSM team along. Reach out to those relationships that you nurtured last year, who you've sold with and say, all right, you potentially have new accounts under you. How can I help you close business fast? So we're running a couple motions coming Q1 for Salesforce Q1 to really like get that going. It's a pipeline build motion. Don't wait. That's my biggest advice. Like don't wait until February. Get your stuff in now. Start planning so that when the card's done, you can hit the go button because Salesforce AEs are going to be hungry. I mean, that's the thing. You bring up a good point about not waiting. There's always going to be a reason to wait. It's like, oh, it's end of year. Oh, it's the beginning of the new fiscal year. We're busy. Oh, it's the end of Q1. And you're going to get that feedback from some people, right? Inevitably, some people you reach out with to do a lunch and learn, they're going to be like, oh, well, this quarter is not good. Okay, cool. Don't let that discourage you from reaching out to the next person or the next next person, because even if now is not a good time for one team, it doesn't mean everybody's shut down. Well, 100%. You bring up a great point. Again, I think of it like we're running our own business with Salesforce AEs as our customer. That means I have to have a pipeline just like my sales team does. So if I'm not doing anything right now, that's going to hurt me later. My pipeline now, like if you get, hey, now's not a great time for lunch and learn. Totally get it. When is? Let's get it on the calendar. Don't be afraid to be a little bit of a bulldog. Always start with value. Always remember this is a partnership, but you're building pipeline just like everybody else is. So fill your calendar. Yeah. If now doesn't work, okay. Does March 6th or March 8th work better? It's totally fine. So you mentioned FY24 planning. So planning for the rest of this fiscal. What are you working on right now with that? Actually, last year at this time was our most, I couldn't keep up because we ran a pipeline motion essentially of like, you have new accounts, let's meet on that, let's build pipe together. Everybody's working to build pipe for the new year and Salesforce AEs ate that up. So again, which Salesforce customers do you currently have in your book of business and share that intel with Salesforce AEs, they wanna hear it. We're gathering all of that information with our customer success team right now so that we can go to market very quickly and get that information in front of Salesforce AEs. And then we're expanding into another industry this year. So I'm really like learning the personas, studying the blueprints, enabling the sales team so that when those leads do come, they're ready to pounce. And then, as I mentioned, filling the calendar. So we're setting up RVP meetings for the beginning of the year going back to our pockets of influence from last year and trying to get in front of those teams again because they probably have new accounts this year. It's a lot of planning until mid-February, but it's making sure all pieces are in place so we can just hit the road running. One thing you mentioned I'd like to double click on and just any tips or thoughts on it. 
a lot of alliances and partnerships leaders like yourself have a challenge of getting their own internal AEs mind shares. When they get on a call with a Salesforce seller or a Salesforce SE or an RVP, that they speak the right language, that they understand their point of view and can empathize with them. Do you have any thoughts or best practices around like how to enable your own sales team to be better prepared going into those meetings? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we expanded our team. Alex Dayton is kind of our guy. And so I would say if you don't have the luxury of having a Salesforce specific partner manager, start small. Like enabling your whole sales team is going to be difficult because they have their own quota to meet. You know, partnerships sometimes comes off as like another thing to do when we all know it's actually really going to be beneficial to your bottom line. But like choose a few champions and start there, really enable them, get them to understand the power of partnerships and how to really work with these Salesforce AEs. Because once they get it, they're going to champion this internally for the rest of your sales team. So I don't know, work with your sales leader, figure out who the best match is, make sure they're aligned to industry if that's what you're doing, and then really just work with them. Here's what the Salesforce AE cares about. We need to align our deal cycle with theirs. We need to make sure our initiatives are in parallel. Speaking their language is really crucial. Making sure you have all of that enablement material done. Do you have a sell sheet? Do you have a joint value story? Is it Salesforce specific? Those are all like foundational things. And then I'd say start small before you, again, boil the ocean. That's kind of my mantra, start small. <laughs> yeah, start small, maybe do that horizontal approach, and then you lean into the industries as you're finding success. I think that's a really good maturity curve that I think you've just stumbled upon throughout your time with BFL. Yeah, agreed. Stumble is the key word there. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of stumble, we're going to stumble our way through the final three here. Wrap up with three questions, 10 second answers each. You ready to go? Ready to go. Who is one company or person in the ecosystem that you track or follow? This year, again, we've stumbled into the HLS space. So the ISV strategists have been crucial to my success. So get to know those people be friends with them, figure out what makes them tick, and then walk alongside them. And then from a company perspective, what other partners? So for us, it's like there are HLS-specific partners. So I have tried to get as close to these guys as possible just to learn, what are you doing? What's working? How can we collaborate? And that has proven dividends for us. Nice. And what would you tell yourself day one of working in the ecosystem? We kind of talked about this, but get rid of imposter syndrome. Curiosity is key and ask more questions from the get-go. My imposter syndrome is hard-baked into me, but nobody knows what they're doing. So you're in good company. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and lastly, what gives you energy in your personal life, Sam? My kids. I have two kids and they give me energy and they suck the energy, but they're a total joy. How old are they? One and three. Oh, fun. Hey, Sam, thank you so much for sharing your journey. So impressed with what you've all built over there. And thanks for sharing with the community. Well, likewise, Mike, it's a pleasure. The ecosystem is so lucky to have you. So thanks for having me and good luck this year. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something from today's episode of How We Got There. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. I'll see you here next time. Thank you.